When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game Master Tips, number 13, Campaign Building with Cyber Smiley. Hey, what's up, man? How's it going, man? Good. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to join me again. Yep. Yeah, and do an episode. Always a pleasure. Of, yeah, and uh, do an episode of Game Master Tips. Uh, anybody watching, um, if you want to learn more about Cyber Smiley, and I'm sure you're, you've heard the name, maybe you've heard of his website, uh, cybersmiley.net, but... Um, but yeah, if, uh, if you want to learn more, we did a podcast episode where we talked about, you know, you and your website and just, I don't know, anything cyberpunk that we went on tangents about. Um, I want to do more episodes like that too. I think me and you can chat about cyberpunk all the time, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, anybody watching, if you want to learn more about him and his site and get a little more in depth on a personal level, go to the podcast, Cyberpunk Uncensored. It's available anywhere podcasts are available. Um, you can also go to cyberpunkuncensored.com. Uh, the link will be in the description and then, um, yeah, there's links to the podcast there, but yeah, look up that episode, learn more about cyber smiley. Um, other than that, we're going to dive right into what this episode is about, which is about campaign building. Uh, we've done multiple episodes about campaign building. Um, what I like to do is grab a different GM for different episodes because everybody kind of has their own method or even if it's the same method, they have like different twists on it or angles or ideas and I'm always able to kind of, I don't know, showcase different Game Master tips um, out of this process. So I was really excited to have you as part of it, man, because you're just, you know, you have a big history with uh, Cyberpunk and your website and being a Game Master. And then aside from that, you're just a nice, cool dude. I met you online and we just, you know, kind of clicked yep. over Cyberpunk and I'm just happy to have you here. So, um, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, let's start at the, at the very beginning uh, when you're putting together a campaign. Uh, we'll assume you already have players. You're ready to, to be the game master. Uh, uh, if we do get into any uh, specific details, uh, we'll just assume we're playing cyberpunk. You know. Yeah. Um, however, these game master tips do work for dungeon masters and any other type of game master. Um, you can always get some good info out of these episodes and stuff. But um, as you know, our passion lies in cyberpunk. So anytime we get into specifics, that's where I'm going to direct it. But yeah, let's start at the beginning. Um, you have your players. You're ready to go. How do you decide on the campaign, the plot, the story? Do you do a session zero? Just start at the beginning and walk me through your process. So my process is often I come up with a story um, of what I'd like to see. Um, and again, it, it, it's an evolution, right? So when I first started GMing, um, how I ran games, it wasn't each session or scenario I ran was connected to each other. They had the same characters, uh, from session to session, but there wasn't always the same plot going through all of them. Um, as I matured as a GM, that's when I started taking in the concept of creating a, a complex story um, behind the whole campaign and plotting out the various scenarios to achieve that 
goal within the story of the campaign I'm trying to achieve. Um, so, and especially, go ahead. No, I just, I want to explain that a little bit better for anybody listening. And just so I understand it too. Um, you're not referring to like the difference between a one shot and an ongoing campaign. You're talking more about when you would structure it uh, after you got more experienced, you would be able to take that bigger story or whatever and then break it up into sections so it didn't feel so much like a one shot or do you mean yeah so so i think as as a, a beginning gm you know the one shot is definitely the beginning um of not only for yourself but for new players because new players are starting to get used to the system and as they get used to the system they start thinking of new characters uh, same as a GM and a referee. Uh, you start coming up with more ideas and how to interrelate or interrelate them between each other. So, again, when I first started coming out, it was that, you know, what a term would be used as episodic, right? Each scenario is its own little episode and it's not necessarily connected with each other, Um Although, you know, slowly you build up, hey, I'm going to pull a little bit from this previous session and kind of bring that to the forefront. Like maybe an enemy was defeated and wasn't necessarily killed. They come back to haunt the group, right? Yeah, so, so like so like the, the world itself is established and like, yeah, e- even though each, you know, session might be a standalone story or adventure the world is still such so where in each session, like there's still the same NPCs and enemies and things still happen to the same characters in that world. But you're saying that as you got more experienced, you were able to kind of construct these sessions to not feel so separate adventures and could kind of connect them and have them ongoing. And I don't know, um, more realistic to reality in the world, you know, but go on, but go on. Correct. Yep. So now that I've matured as a GM, Right now, I'm looking for a, a, a better story. Uh, one thing that, you know, when you start getting into that whole arcing story of multi-sessions, <clears throat> one thing you have to take into account is, um, do I make it based around the characters or do I make it based around, you know, my vision of, of how the campaign should go? Uh, one trap that often gets you get into, especially when you're based it off the characters, is if that character dies, because dice rolls can be <laughs> can be very random at times. Okay. Um, but as a GM, you know, oftentimes as a GM, you kind of hide your dice rolls, and of course, you know, people will get into the fudging of the dice. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Um, as a GM, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think there's definitely needs some fudging, especially if you're basing your campaign around certain characters within the group. Um, you definitely want to prevent them from being lost. Uh, there's always times in a campaign that, yes, character at a certain moment the death of that character provides better story, right? And better um, entertainment for everyone involved. So that's not always, you know, 
something that you know you can you can kind of gear towards to achieve um i i've been in a couple campaigns in which i've lost characters but it was also through sacrifice of that character to advance the story sure. uh which you know everyone in the group would be like wow that was great you know mm-hmm. at the end sorry for your loss but right, right. <laughs> but it, thanks it, for letting but of, thanks for pushing us forward you know <laughs> exactly yeah um so but re- that's the tip but, right here that i'm kind of getting i want to point out to you know any up-and-coming gms too is don't feel bad if you have to fudge a dice roll you know if you have to manipulate it a little if you know and i think what cyber smiley is saying here is you know don't do it all the time that's not playing yep. the game properly but if you reserve that for maybe those rare blue moon moments where it's like detrimental to the plot story and like it's going to fuck things up majorly if you don't fudge that a little, maybe reserve it for there. And that's kind of part of being a game master is like, yeah, you, you don't do that all the time, but you're right. You know, a situation might pop up where it is just, you know, it just it's that important. And, and you yep. as a game master need to maybe take a little bit of control over that, you know? Yep. And like I said, with in a previous interview, know your players, right? So there are always some players who might be resistant to the story you're trying to present or the dice rolls that are being done. For example, I know I've always had a problem with players who um, who are always, for whatever reasons, uh, stunned or, you know, overwhelmed and then thrown into a prison or a situation in which they lose control of their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, that has always, quite a few players have always resisted that. Um, even though in my mind for the story, it had to happen. Right. And that it's often I had to basically tell the players don't panic. Right. Let this play out. <laughs> yeah. Follow through with it, right? And see what happens. Um, but again, you also need to work with your players on that because one of the things with certain players is <clears throat> they have an attachment to their players. They have an attachment to the the gear that they have. They have an attachment to what they've accomplished with this character and taking away any little piece of that um really can can cause a problem with that player uh and accepting it even though you're trying to present it and give some more um character to the character yeah uh it, it can be a problem but you need to communicate with your players around that now do you um, do you see to, that that particular problem sometimes because i totally know what you mean um, you know, you'll yep. you'll drop some extreme moments and stories because it needs to be dynamic. It needs to have the extreme ups and downs. It needs to have those downs so the ups are feel more up and the ups make the downs feel more low. And it's exactly. just, you know, you have to have that contrast. And I totally get that. But do you find that, um, you know, it's typically a, a newer players because I see sometimes like the more experienced players, they'll be like, oh, shit. But then they'll roll with it because they know like, OK, okay like things are getting spicy, you know, and they kind of like that, yep. you know. But then like newer players might kind of get stressed out, you know, they're like, oh, my God. But 
but and then they don't they're not playing right you notice that they're kind of like not paying attention or they're just kind of distraught and you're like relax dude it's gonna be yep. okay you know like it's gonna be fun this is kind of cool you know you yeah it's that? definitely a, a concept of the new players right because i think the new players often invest more in their characters because it is a new experience and um and they just you know they build and spend a lot of time within a character to have that washed away mm-hmm. um and, and i've been guilty of it too i mean i remember i had a character who i spent months and months developing this character and he was just killed outright not through any fault of his own but through uh-huh. the deception of one of one of the other players which oh shit. even caused it even worse yeah yeah that's worse though because <laughs> then you're like so, you're at the table looking yeah. at like your friend you're like what the hell dude like exactly so <laughs> that 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 can happen and yeah I've, I've honestly, honestly i've never experienced that now that i think about it as a gm or as a player have I ever played and seen one of the players kind of fuck up another player, you know, whether it be intentionally or not, like I've been in some crossfire situations. I've, you know, where like maybe like in D and D a spell range might be wider than they thought. And I'm in the way, but they got to get the head thing or, you know, maybe some suppressive fire affected some of your teammates in cyberpunk versus, yep. you know, and the enemy, but you had to do it to get those enemies to take cover. Yeah. But, uh, but I've never uh, intentionally seen that, you know, where a player, maliciously does something to another player or something that's crazy Uh, yeah i mean this was years ago um and i've been in plenty of games where you know a gm would have players versus players uh and you know the gm has fun because now all he does is communicate between the two factions within the group um and let's you know lets them drive the whole scenario uh so as a gm it's great because i don't have to do any work right i just have (laughs) the adversaries being run by by other players um but it can be frustrating especially for players um and if you ever do that and want to experience that that's fine i wouldn't make a campaign out of it yeah Uh, i've seen i've definitely seen some single shots yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I've definitely seen some PvP stuff, you know, player versus player stuff, or like a GM working different teams and putting them together. But it's always kind of been like a one-shot or a fun side thing or its yep. own thing. But what you were originally saying before I threw us on this tangent was uh, that when you were playing, another player had got your character killed or whatever. Now, that yep. was intentional? He, I mean, you guys were a team. You weren't player versus player, right? He, so... <laughs> It, it was it was a very complicated story, right? Um, but basically, this player came into the group after we've accomplished so many things, and he kind of deceived the group where his intention was not what we thought. And his intention originally was to basically steal something from the group and basically, you know kill the whole group for it which it was fine but it would have been nice to i don't know if it would be yeah i was gonna say that might be yeah yeah it might be something you set up with the g you know the the dm just to make that kind of crazy or something i don't you know might be better not to know at that point you know just play it out um 
but yes, getting back to the whole campaign, you yeah. know, you definitely want to try to prevent player versus pa- player because um, that can just derail a, a campaign uh, directly. So <clears throat> getting back to it, right? So once you've, once you've come up with a story, you can either have, you know, kind of two things. And, and this is coming from um, uh, Let's Not Be Primitive Screwheads, right? So I think it was Benjamin Wright who wrote uh, seven kind of criteria on how to create a campaign. And one was orientation. So is it a campaign you're creating? Is it story-driven or is it character-driven? Uh, if it's character-driven, you know, you definitely want to fudge the dice a lot more uh, because those characters kind of need to go through the whole campaign. And how you create a character-driven campaign is really, you can get a lot of that uh, ideas from people's life paths, um, mainly anything with a big loss, right? You're hunted by the corp or enemies that can drive a campaign and you can interweave each character's life path to kind of bring them together in a way, right? So maybe one character has an enemy of a high level corp, while as another one's being hunted by a corp. Well, the enemy in that could be working for the same corp that's hunting down these two players. And that's how they connect. Um, and that kind of campaign is to basically thwart the enemy, the, the corporation, and come out to be, you know, free and clear of being hunted or having this enemy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, a character driven versus a story driven, which is often the referee comes up with a story and they set the end goal of what the team has to accomplish for that um and i think it's a great tip to any anybody uh listening you know whether you're doing a story driven campaign or character driven and especially character driven because you need that motivation and them to have that relatability with their character is the light diving into the life path i just want to reiterate that that you said because that's a great point and it's just something like if you're a new gm you don't even know where to start like okay great i gotta come up with a story like you know let me make a campaign first part come up with a story for the you know, the plot or the story. Well, goddamn, where yep. do I even start with that? Great thing. If you're not going to, you know, extract things from movies and TV or general story ideas you've already heard, if you're trying to just create something, story or character driven, look at the life path. And that's a great, great point because you use stuff from the life path and it instantly gets the characters relating to what's going on or at least motivated to learn more or get involved because now they have somebody, you know, from their life path that's in it, you know? Yep. And and as a referee, do not be afraid to, you know, tell the player, okay, leave one year vacant, right? Mm -hmm. So that one year could be decided by the GM. And as a GM, you can make sure that each player has a certain event that you want them to have um, to to bind the characters together uh, to help your campaign. That's a great idea. I want to point out, too, that that's, you know, for anybody listening, in Cyberpunk 2020, that's part of the life path creation is, you know, they'll go through, you know, however old you are, every year from, what, 16 up to that year, I I believe it is, you know, you have have a different event, okay? 
I think that's a great point. Like, you know, if you're a GM, if you're playing 2020 and don't fill up every single year, like, you know, give yourself some wiggle room to work with. Give yourself a little bit of, uh, you know, some years here, here and there where you can yep. implement some of these motivations or ideas or things from your stories or whatever that you're creating so it can all kind of tie in. And that's a great point. Yep. And just to point out also in Cyberpunk Red, it's a little different. Um, there's not, you know, year to year to year to year, 16 up. Yep. I, I don't know if you've seen, you know, the panel and the interviews we've been posting kind of talking about that without getting into too much detail because we're still before the release date NDA. at the time of recording this. But, um, yep. but yeah, in Cyberpunk Red, it's it's still table-based and you have all these different sections and things just like 2020, except you're not filling up year, 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 year. It's a little more of these monumental story things that kind of naturally does what you were just saying is giving you those gaps to work with. But that's a great tip. If you are working with a system that is filling up everything in Life Path, don't be scared to put some gaps in there that you can work with as a GM. Yeah, and even in the, you know, talking towards the uh, jumpstart kit, right? You have friends, you have enemies. Um, so you definitely can use those and tell the, tell the players you have this friend, you have this enemy, um, because it's going to connect the story you're coming up with um, in, in this campaign. And the other thing, when you start coming up with a story, you definitely want to have an end goal. You want to have a finite time in which the players can say yes we have completed what we've needed to complete um and whether it's you know a end goal that can take five sessions or years um you definitely want to have that type of end goal and you also want to make sure that throughout that process that the players feel like they have achieved um milestones to achieve that goal uh, when they're when they're playing, right? Um, because you always want to make sure that a the players are achieving something, uh, whether it's cash rewards or defeating you know underbosses, or you know finding steps to they know that steps they've completed will make them closer to completing what they've set out to complete. Yeah, so once you come up with, like, the general campaign story, whatever it is, you know, you come up with this idea, and you, it, and then, you know, there's there's what the story is with the end goal, whether it's whatever, just for the sake of conversation, they've got to, you know, get this item, save this person, bring this item here, discover this, whatever the end goal is, they have some type of end goal, so, like, they know what they're working towards, you know, use life path stuff, you know, forget about motivations and things to tie in the players so there's relatability and they're motivated to be part of whatever that story yep. is you've created and then try to place miles milestones in between you know from the beginning to that end goal that they're trying to achieve put little milestones in there so they know they're on the right path and so during that process they have little accomplishments to look forward to and be happy about and that like you said whether it is defeating underbosses discovering more clues or evidence that leads them to that end uh, goal or whatever of the campaign, whatever it is, put those little milestones. And I think that's, a, that's another great tip. Yep. And also when you're creating campaigns, you definitely want to start thinking about what NPCs are going to be involved, what corporations are going to be involved, um, where in the world 
the pe the players need to get to to achieve their goals, right? So that comes up with, you know, the whole scope of your campaign. Is it just a simple city adventure, you know, trying to uh, prevent a corporation from taking control of a certain section within the city uh, and fighting them off? Or is it something that's globally reaching, that they have to go to Paris and then Moscow, uh, similar to how Eurotour did it, or even... Um, Land of the Free, right, where it was cross-country uh, campaign. <clears throat> so you always want to take into how or where you want your players to get to. Um, and those are points you want to prepare. And you also want to make sure that you prepare all your NPCs and some of, your, some of the corporations involved and write them up and understand what their motivations are. Um, if the players do confront any of these NPCs and do kill them, make sure that there's always a replacement, especially if you expected that NPC to be further down the line in your in your campaign okay. to appear, have a sibling, have a um, another corporate manager has been promoted and he takes over that last person's job. Um, just so you have those people set up and what their kind of roles are within the whole campaign. And it's always good to have a over uh, an arch villain that the players don't always know about in the beginning and will make an appearance later. I like that. Um, and if, yeah. And if he does make an appearance, you always want to make sure he has an escape room. Um, because there will always be players who will pull out their gun and shoot them immediately. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So luckily with with um, Cyberpunk, you have the ability to, okay, it was a hologram of him or mm -hmm. it was a duplicate of him. Um, you know, a, a guy who was, you know, a body sculpt to look like this person. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> there's our ways to make sure that that villain always stays alive and he will always work to thwart the party um and eventually there is going to be that final showdown with that villain okay. that you're going to have so that is another milestone to achieve the campaign goal right yeah so, so when you set up like the story you'll typically like come up with the story you know the end goal obviously that is the reward or the end result of that story yep. that the players know they're going to. You'll implement parts of life path, um, whether story-driven or character-driven, to have them relate or be involved and have little, I don't know, morsels of goodness throughout the way that they can relate to or are personal to them, you know. And then yep. you'll drop in between that beginning and the end goal, you know, a few milestones or accomplishments along the way. Because let's face it also, these are also individual sessions, which is also kind of cool to you know, have an overall campaign with your beginning and end, but then each session maybe have a little milestone or a little something maybe they accomplished or every other one on the way to that end goal. And then the other thing that you just mentioned is once you set all that up is then you'll kind of go back, okay, here's my story. This is what I'm doing, the plot, the end goal. Here's my milestones. Here's how the players are relating, the motivations. Then you'll kind of, I don't know, decorate the world or that campaign or that story with you know, like the bells and whistles or whatever, I guess you'd call it, you know, the, the decorations, yep. 
the NPCs, the, the corporations involved, like all the little um, storyline details, you know? Is, am I getting that right? That's yep. kind of your process? Yep. And so, yeah, so now that you have your campaign structured, you have it kind of fleshed out where you want it to go and what little minor tasks you want to make sure that the players hit before they complete that goal or complete the campaign, you know, there is going to be sidetracks. So players are always going to go off and do something else. And there, it could be because of boredom or because, you know, you specifically put in a side adventure for the, uh, for the group to go down. Or sometimes, um, sometimes, or all the times, players will throw a curveball at you, and they'll do something you're just not expecting. You'll be like, "Wait a minute, I didn't even." Okay, we're going this way now. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. That's fun, though. And I think that's fun, though. It is, and and it can lead into new ideas and and bring um, freshness to a campaign that might have been going for a couple months, right? Um, How do you deal? Because, let's let's dabble in that just for a moment. How do you deal with that? You know, if you have your story laid out, you're in goal, your milestones, you have everything planned, everything's rocking, everybody's playing the part, they're they're picking up the clues you're dropping, and it's it's going well, and then all of a sudden players kind of go on a tangent. You know, they, they start pursuing something else you didn't think of, like, ah, oh, shit, okay. How do you deal with that, like, if you're you're on this path, and then all of a sudden they throw that curveball? What do you typically do? So there's a couple options, right? So one option is, okay, maybe... I just put that campaign aside, right? Um, and maybe pick it up with a different group uh, and let just go with the flow, right? And, and come up with another idea. Because as a GM, you might have this great story and then all of a sudden the, the players divert you to another idea. Mm -hmm. And it might inspire you to be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Let me continue this because you not only have the players buy-in but you're also excited about the idea so you might go off and create a whole new campaign based off of that divergence um, but you might also have your original campaign off to the side and you can always bring a you can bring the players back after they finish that other goal or b find another group that continues it Right. Um, that's kind of what I'm doing currently with my current session is, you know, I, I years ago, um, I came up with a campaign and the players continue to go through it and hit these various milestones. And eventually, due to real life, you know, the group kind of dissolved and <clears throat> that campaign kind of was never finished. So now I'm having my new players finish it right because the, there's a corporation who's still very interested in, in what the players are going after um so it's a new blood and again i wrote my campaign to take into account that cyberpunk being brutal that it is i expected you know attrition of players um, i expected the possibility of, of groups being wiped out and new groups being put in because, you know, the corporation still wants this done and it doesn't care about the body count, right? Right. Um, so... And definitely that, cyberpunk, yeah. like you said, being dangerous. It's almost like 
any other game, it might not work as easy. But with Cyberpunk, it's almost like it, you have a little bit of that uh, flexibility within the world because of it being so dangerous. Like you said, that, that can sometimes work into your favor as a GM or player if things... I don't know, for, you know, like I recently had some players that can't continue on with the campaign we're doing. So it was yep. either wrap it up with some brutal death stuff or give it a happy send off to close, you know, close up the storyline. And then the great kind of twisted story campaign idea that I had for there, I'm moving over to my other team that was working on the campaign. You know what I mean? So exactly yep. what you're saying. Yeah. I think those are some great tips because they function well. You know, it works. It's, it literally works. Yeah. And like one of the, the main characters from the previous time I ran this campaign, you know, this new group went off and interviewed her to find out what's going on and what's happened. Um, and, you know, she related the backstory of what's already have occurred and, you know, kind of gear them or, or warn them that, you know, it's not going to be as easy as, as, as they might think. And always, you know, and that plays into the whole concept of paranoia that I originally talked about in the first uh, podcast was, you know, you always want to keep your players on edge um, yep. from, from a, from a cyberpunk point of view. Um, and that's definitely a staple of cyberpunk um, is, you know, the paranoia factor, you know, whether it, yep. what, I think, we, and we talked about that, whether it fully comes to fruition, like whatever that, the element that's causing the paranoia, whether that really comes into play or it just kind of sits in the background causing that paranoia, no matter what, it's that element that definitely feels cyberpunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Definitely. And, you know, you definitely want to listen to all what, how your players' reactions to how the campaign's going because sometimes you might be excited about the campaign, the players might not be. Um, and if they're not having fun, then it's just a chore to them. And, you know, the campaign is definitely going to peter out. Mm -hmm. So you always want to make sure that the players get that feedback from the players. Always make sure that what you're doing is something that they're loving, right? Because if they're not liking it and it's the campaign is going to die. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've learned that through various times I've tried to run a campaign um, in which, you know, if the players weren't into it, they're going to find reasons not to play anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and you'll notice that if players come up with, you know, excuses of why they're not attending games anymore. And yes, there is the real life problems of interfering with game life, but there's also that attitude of players will, you know, not be interested in, in showing up to your sessions. Uh, if you're not keeping it interesting and, and keeping them on the edge. So you always want to gauge what the players are looking for out of your campaign, whether it's action, whether it's more role-playing, and you have to make sure that you appease every single player in the group. Um, I think it's a, it's, always, it's a yeah. great tip to point out and just reiterate there is, you know, because we... I've done a how to have a proper session zero, right? And I've, t you know, I have, I have a, other GMs kind of chime in on this subject when we've gone over campaign building and the importance of that. But I think, you know, you kind of take that and then mention uh, an aspect of it that I want to bring up, which is don't be scared to have that afterwards as well. You know, session zero, you can kind of feel out, okay. I know, you know, these players like this type of role playing. These are more combat heavy that, you know, and these people are kind of quiet, but they're more thinkers. So they're going to want more like 
things to solve or whatever. You know? yep. So like you can kind of feel out things in session zero and you can kind of gauge what you're going to do. But like you said, you, you got to kind of, as a GM, be on top of that ongoing forever. You know, this is, you're going to have different campaigns going as you go and you got to make sure that you're giving attention to everybody and you're shifting things and it's just got to be this, this ongoing balance. And I think what you said is a great tip, which is don't be scared to communicate with the players, you know, talk to them about, you know, Hey, uh, you know, get feedback, see if they liked the session that you just had. Be like, Hey, was it fun or whatever? And then try to pay attention to things they say, you know, if you're not going to get into an in-depth conversation about it, Maybe at least try to read in between the lines. So, like, if after a session, uh, players are, are like, oh, that was great, awesome, see you next week. Hey, that was great, awesome, see you next week. Then you have a session and no one's really chiming in. You're like, ooh. Yeah. That's a that's a little read. I mean, you know, so there's yeah. things like that that you can kind of do. But I think that that's a good point is don't just leave that in session zero. Constantly, you know, just check in with players and make sure that it's everyone is having fun. Yep. And that gets into trouble players, right? Um if you create, you know, this mammoth campaign, this, you know, uh, opus that you've created to present to the players, um, one bad thing is a bad player can ruin it completely, not only for you, but for all the other players. Mm -hmm. Um, And you always want to make sure that the players you have or are about to introduce your campaign to are the players you want, right? because there will be problem players uh, that just for whatever reason, they prefer one style and they expect that they are the ones who are going to have the, um, or or be the center of attention or introduce things into your campaign that you did not want. So you need to make sure that the players you're introducing into the campaign are the ones you want or who will appreciate what you what work you have done. Mm-hmm. So that is another thing. Always make sure that you have the players you want to be in your campaign in your campaign. And those who aren't, you either should ask them to leave mm-hmm. or, in my opinion, just kill their characters and say adios. Mm-hmm. Um, because... And you always want to present them, hey, can you change? Can you, can you, um, you know, be more involved or stop doing, you know, the bad behavior you're doing? If they don't listen to you, ask them to leave. If they still don't listen to you, kill their character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can show up, but it's like, okay, you don't have a character. Well, too bad. You yeah. don't have a character. <laughs> Know, I gave you the warnings. I gave you the chance. Now it's time that you know I, I'm done with it. And yeah. I've had that happen. You know. No, I think that's a good tip too, especially new GMs. Don't be scared, uh, you know, to take that drastic of control. You know, if a player is just being that difficult and kind of ruining the game for all the other players, not just you as a GM, and you, you talk to them and you can't get them under control, or you can't manipulate in game to bring it back to where it should be and then you tell them look you know if it's going to be like this and you can't change and just don't play and then they're still playing you're like fuck it i'm killing them <laughs> you know and kill the character yep. so there you go gms you know if, if you do have a difficult player and it's pissing on your parade don't don't be scared to kill them off you know <laughs> and it might ruin a friendship but you know you have three to four other people at the table right. who you already have a friendship with and if you know this one person is being difficult 
okay, if if they don't understand that you're telling them they're being difficult, then are they really your friend? Yeah, I was just going to say a good friend, I think, will totally understand. Anyways, you can be like, dude, what the hell? You know, like you can just talk exactly. to them and they'll get it and it'll be cool. If they're not cool with it, then yeah, were they really a friend to begin with? You know? Yep. <laughs> so that's pretty much it on like how how you would approach a campaign and how you deal with players. Um, uh, so that's the kind of concepts I use to try to create a campaign. Yeah, I think um, that's great structure. Um, I think you know, there's good key points in there within that structure of campaign building that I feel that we touched on where a GM can literally take these notes and be like, all right, cool, I can at least dive in and create a campaign and make sure that I have all these little... Um, I don't know, safety nets in place, because they, they kind of are, you know, yep. they're not just like key points to building a campaign, but these are the parts of the campaign you need to have a successful, fun campaign. You know, they are safety nets, so you don't, oh, shit, I forgot to think about that, and now this is, you know, throwing a wrench in the works or whatever. You know, as long as you do yep. all these things, you should be somewhat safe. Not to say, you know, and we did cover on this, that players will th- throw you a curveball, but you just roll with those punches. You make it work. You either save the campaign for a different team or you tactfully bring them back to that after you're done with that little side mission or whatever happens. But I also want to bring up, you know, we did some great tips here for, you know, Cyber Smiley's campaign building, you know? I think people can watch. They can get an idea of how you do it. They can extract some tips here. But I would like to do, you know, another episode probably of the podcast. We can go a bit longer and then maybe I'll make a video of that or maybe the opposite of that. We'll, we'll go live and do a video, maybe allow some people from, from the Cyberpunk Uncensored group to ask questions too. But I would love to yeah. get back into um, not specific campaign building, but dive into some of the tangents we went on during this process, you know, like dealing with difficult players and some of the curveball yeah. stuff. And like, I don't know, I feel that, um, you know, I do these GM tip episodes. I try to keep them short and sweet. You know, sometimes we'll go a little bit longer like this one when there's a lot of good information to be talked about. Um, But it also shows me like, man, we should do something separate and kind of dive into some of these other subjects. So if you're down with that, let's schedule that sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I'm available. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Anybody tuning in. Yeah, definitely. And we'll do it again. And uh, anybody tuning in, if you felt like you got some good info out of this, make sure you like and share the video. Check out cyberpunkuncensored.com and check out all the links and all the cool things we have going on there. Also, make sure you show CyberSmiley some support. Check out cybersmiley.net. Uh, hit him up online. He's a cool guy. Get to know him. And uh, yeah, any, any uh, last words before I kill this transmission? Hey, man. Play cyberpunk, have fun, and enjoy it, man. Hell yeah. Well put. (laughs) All right, man. Take care. And everybody listening, take care. We'll see you again soon.